Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are listening to Let's Talk Try, the official Let's Go Try podcast. Swing it and lines the deep left field. It is gone! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 131. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, we'll talk about some meatballs, talk about things that happened in the recent weeks of games, talk about Tyler Naquin's injury and the the potential return of Bradley Zimmer, Jake Bowers, and what it means for the Indians going forward, talk about Carlos Carrasco making an emotional return to the mound on on Sunday, and the potential of him to be sort of a fireman reliever, Andrew Miller type in the playoffs, and all that. And we'll look ahead to the twin series, which is, at this point, the only series that seems to matter for the Indians, with the AL Central on the line. Before we get into all that, I wanted to read a review that we got on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it was five stars from Here Bed, Here Be Dragons, NYC. He said, awesome info and hilarious. I love you guys and party info about the tribe, but keeps me engaged with your humor and totally mixed metaphors. Keep up the good work, guys. Go tribe. Thank you, Here Be Dragons, NYC. It was a very nice review. I like that. Um, thank you for reviewing those. If you're listening now, whether it's from iTunes, Spotify, wherever, leave us a review, uh, share it with your friends, whatever you want to do. Um, joining me for all this, as we do every week, is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm filing a complaint with the Department of Labor. You're making me work on Labor Day, and I'm sick of this, man. <laughs> I'm sick of this. <laughs> no, this is Sunday, Merritt. Remember, we record Sunday nights. What are you talking about? This The sun is not out right now. It's not the middle of a Monday afternoon. <laughs> I'm not drinking because... coffee in my pajamas. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a normal thing at all. It's fine. <laughs> fine. All right. You, you escaped that one due to the non-instant, uh, instinctual. No, something non-live uh, aspect of podcasts. Yeah, you can't prove when we record this, Merritt. It is currently nine o'clock on a Sunday night. You have no you proof. Son of a. <laughs> this is how we they just get watched, you, people. Uh... This is why we need to unionize podcasters because these damn. <laughs> Editors are always getting on your ass about everything. <laughs> about doing the podcast. About <laughs> doing the podcast. <laughs> yes. up your ass about it. Jeez. I'm fine. Hi. It's great to be oh, here. Doing great. Yeah, it is. It's nice. It's a nice Labor Day weekend. It's it, it'd be nice if we had better games to lead into it so you can yeah. sort of enjoy it. But yeah. Um I I watched I didn't watch a ton of I wasn't focused on the games this weekend because I recapped on Friday and I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this again. And then so they were just kind of background noise for doing other things um over the weekend and then I watched recaps right before the podcast just to refresh of what happened and oh right, it was miserable, everything about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quite terrible. Quite terrible. So on that exciting upbeat note. Meatballs. Let's talk about the meatballs. It's <laughs> the best is what you mean. <laughs> Um, so mine, uh, my first one is I tried to find good things for these week's meatballs because I think we need it after getting swept by the Rays and whatever happens against the White Sox tonight. So my first one is Roberto Perez. He hit a home run 
He hit under 112.8 miles per hour. It was the 11th hardest hit ball of the week in all of MLB. And of course, it led the Indians. It was on a 3-2 count when the Indians were already up 7-1 over the Tigers. So it didn't really do a whole lot. But it was a ball that was um, inside. And of course, it's it's Roberto Perez. So when he crushes things, it's usually not anything except mistakes over the center of the plate. But this was a pitch way inside. It's a ball that um, the it's the only time in the way that baseball savant splits up the pitches for the what they call game day zones, which is the ones that like MLB.com uses. Um, it was in technically zone 11, which is sort of like the corner of the plate that's up and inside and just the inside edge. And it's the first ball that Roberto Perez hit in that area over 93 miles per hour this season. So it was a neat little ball that he absolutely crushed. And I watched the highlight of again, and his bat speed is just incredible on this hit. Like he was looking for it. He knew where it was coming. And then he just demolished it. And then he was terrible the rest of the week. But that was a really good hit. And I thought it was worth commending him for. Because I want him to be good again like he was at times this season. And maybe he can streak again as we head into the playoffs. What if he just keeps on getting better and better in this very linear fashion? By, by <laughs> like he slowly I mean, gets better at one zone every month? No, no, no. I mean, like last year he had, uh, where is he? There he is. He had, what, an, OP, an OPS plus of 42. This year it's 92. So if we were to continue that arc... It would be like 145 or something next next year. And that's what I'm talking about. Next year, he's going to hit so, 65 home runs or something. So what if he slowly morphs into Mike Trout and then just flies right by him is what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying to you. Well, still we'll... maintaining a 220 batting average. I think that's actually that, that, that... <laughs> that's the That's the qualifier. He's got to still have a 220 batting average. and then... <laughs> That's my kind of player right there. I mean, he could still just walk a ton. You know, he could have like a... A 500 on base percentage and it only hit 220 all dingers, baby. That's my kind of player right there. A couple triples because he's Roberto Perez. He's got the wheels. He can fly. He's known as Roberto Wheels Perez. I believe that's what's on the the back of his uh, (laughs) Players Weekend jersey. Just the word wheels, the Z. Matt, the Indians have hit 784 balls over 100 miles an hour this year. Something like that. It's 780 something. I, I closed the page and now I forgot what it never was. <laughs> I <Exactly>. believe it. <laughs> but somewhere I'll in that. I'll take your word for it. Somewhere in that realm. And like, I was curious to see. The whole goal was to find out just uh, how are the new guys doing in terms of hitting the ball very hard. And the answer is that Fernando Reyes has hit the ball over 100 miles an hour 22 times while with the Indians. Now, he's only been with the team for, what, a month? And that seems pretty good, right? I mean, if you were to prorate that out to an enti- the entire season, that'd be about 110-ish, something like that, right? Interesting. Francisco Lindor's done it 123 times so far this year. And uh, Carlos Santana's done it 125 times. So uh, because it's an Indians podcast, it always comes back around to praising Francisco Lindor. He continues to be the best player the Indians have had in a long, long time. And I love it. I love it so much. That's really the extent of the meatball, I suppose. I've done some other numbers, you know, uh, Yu Chang has done it five times. Jordan Luplo in part-time play, 23. Uh, Yasiel Puig's at 25 uh, 100-plus mile-an-hour batted balls. Jose Ramirez, 78. Tyler Naquin, who's now dead, 56. Um, your, your your friend, Roberto Perez, 68. So there you go. And next year, he'll do that, uh, what? Um, 136 times. 185 times, actually. I've decided it's going to be more oh. a, 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 a bit steeper. There's an increase now. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. I don't know. I just thought that was, uh, like I said, I just wanted to see how the new guys were doing in terms of hitting the ball hard because there's so few things you can really control as a hitter. What's yours? What's your next meatball? Uh, mine, so it's a similar note to a weird slash line. It's a really quick one. Jason Kipnis. His slash line last week was 188, 188, 750. <laughs> he went three for 16 with exactly three home runs and no walks. That was All right. every single hit in the last week went out of the park, but he also had a terrible week otherwise. 
That's I would like to see Perez somebody line. carry something. That that's <laughs> is that the Roberto Perez line now? You need a higher on base percentage, I think. But yeah, so yeah seven fifty right. slash is about right. I yeah, guess he's had two he's home runs, so he figure he has eighteen plate appearances over that many games. He had three home runs and walks four times, so that's a four fifty on base percentage, something like that. That's a Roberto line, yeah. And that's a Roberto line. There you go. <laughs> when Roberto Perez is in the Hall of Fame, that's what his line's going to be. He'll have like a 200 batting average under his plaque, and he'll be good. They'll call it a Bebo, and there you go. <laughs> right, that was a quick one, but do you have a, a final one for us? I do, I do. Uh, it's about Aaron Savale. He's um, not my favorite pitcher. That's uh, I don't know who that is anymore. What is favorite? But I always like watching young players, uh, young pitchers kind of flourish. And because he's such an interesting type, but with the way he attacks hitters and whatnot, it's uh, very interesting. We talked a lot about the spin rate on his uh, cutter and his sinker and all that sort of a thing. His curves, curveball spin is in the 95th percentile, though. 95. 95. It um, has 66.8 inches of drop, which is 6.6 inches more than the average curveball in baseball. That alone could be a fun enough meatball, because that's really cool, Matt. Um I've said before many times, I love curveballs. They're neato. I believe that was your meatball before, right? The Aaron Savali spin rate is bonkers. Just in general. Or was I that mean, just a post? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that was a post about his, uh, I talk, I was talking about his uh, cutter and his sinker, how he's parent. His spin rate, yes. In general, he must have amazing fingers or, or something. I don't know. That's the only thing I could think. But I like this too, because it's, it's doing two things. First, it's just demonstrating that he has a great tertiary pitch, even because... The way we've talked in the past, it's like, how, what, what's he? What else is he going to do besides be this kind of guy who just kind of goes one way or the other with his pitch? You know what I mean? Kind of like a a, a late career, um, a very fat man, uh, Bartolo Colon. Well, that, that that's basically what Colon has been doing for the last couple of years when he was still pitching was you just was cutting the ball and throwing two seam resistant, throwing the same pitch over and over, but it would move any one of eight directions. But uh, Savali is also kind of communicating to us what kind of pitcher he could become because if he has these two pitches that can go one way or the other combined with a curveball that falls off the plate, that is a very intriguing pitcher who will, as we know, he's really outperforming his uh, peripherals. Hey, man, that was. Uh, meatball. And at this point, your sigh is just part of the audio. I just need to put it in there. <laughs> it always comes the exact same. It's like three meat slaps and then a merit sigh and then the. The big meatballs come. Um, so our first sort of news thing of the week is is not a good one. Uh, Tyler Naquin was running down the ball in Tampa Bay. He was full sprint. His legs, he was he was planting. I think it was on the right leg, and then he came down. It looked sort of like something buckled in his knee, and then he did run into the wall, and then he bounced off and just laid on the ground and looked in like a ton of pain. Oscar Mercado ran over to him and was waving as if he was as if Tyler died. <laughs> he was, there was a lot of urgency there to get him over, and he was eventually carted off. And they they did an MRI the next day, and he had torn ACL. So he's obviously out for the season. Um, it's a it's a big blow to the Indians considering how downright competent he was this season. He wasn't a, an all-star hitter or anything, but he's been able to kill the junk pitches that he's good at hitting, and he's been well enough for an Indians outfield that's been beat up enough for this, for this team. Jake Bowers obviously is recalled afterwards. He was the next in line, I guess, to be the left fielder. I believe he got a double. He tripped over the, the bullpen mound over nothing and didn't seem to notice it and dropped the ball. So he had an up-and-down day in his not, not debut, but his return from being option. Bradley Zimmer is another option. At some point, he just came off the 60-day DL, but he was optioned immediately at AAA. Uh, the Indians said before they wanted to give him as much time and as much games in the minors to get back and get ready, I'd assume, so he can learn to make contact better if he's if he was slow to uh, coming back from the injury. So 
it's just a not a good season for Indians for the Indian injuries. It's everybody seems to go down somewhere at some point. Obviously, Jose Ramirez is gone now. Carlos Grasco just came back, but he's not going to be a starter because of injuries. Jordan Luplo is just back now, but of course he missed a huge chunk of time. So, I mean, this it's does this change a whole lot about the Indians? I don't think Tyler Naquin was the anchor of the the offense by any means, but he's also this is just yet another on top of a ton of injuries the Indians had, and he's he was pretty good for streaks of the season. Well, the Indians are lacking in something that many other playoff caliber teams have, and that's league average hitters. Uh, I think Tyler Naquin was one of four. I guess if you want to include Mike Freeman, you can. Uh, one of four, one of five hitters who were active at the time of his injury with an OPS plus over one hundred. So it's troubling, I guess. To uh, I mean, I guess you can you, know, you can include Roberto Perez in there because it was ninety two ish, you know. So. Wow, that is a depressing stat. Thanks, man. I didn't hey, know if man, the number you know, was that low. That <laughs> yeah, is a sad very, meatball that you brought out in the middle of the post-meatball segment. <laughs> and you're right, too, because Jose was barely league average, but he was injured, and then Luplo wasn't uh, active. So, I mean, Yeah, you know, Reyes is, Reyes is at 89, Puig's at 87. So it's, it's not like they've been – I think the fact that they are 79 and 58 with this utter dreck offensively, it's – a statement to something. I don't know what yet, but it's definitely a statement to something or other. And it might also be worth noting that among active hitters, let's see, where would he be? Brad Miller would be fifth God after his it. comments about leaving. <laughs> he hasn't gone any lower. His 92 WRC plus would still be in the top five, oh, which is not a good among sign. Indians, yes. Okay. Fine. Right, yes. Not in the <laughs> baseball. He's 92. He's not still good, but okay, the Indians yeah. are not good. You know, and the, Sorry, and I got you off your track. I just, I heard you say that. I went to look. I was like, oh, he was right. That sucks. And this is yet another instance where I hate to remind myself and others that there are five <laughs> former Indians from last year who would be top two or three hitters on the Indians this year, uh, you know, including guys obviously like Michael Brantley, but also, well, now I can't even find him because they signed so many goddamn people. Edwin Encarnacion is at 115. Yeah, he's hurt right now, but again, it's that'd be a nice number just to have on the team at all, anywhere. But instead, they do not have that. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're dealing with some small sample sizes here in Reyes, although we're at 107 plate appearances for him, 103 for Puig. And Reyes is just is just down for the entire season. So, um, I don't know. It's a little sad. But what are you going to do? Because this is the most snake-bitten year in Indians history. Not really. But, you know, of late, um, it wasn't going to get any easier. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Is this the most snake bitten to what is it? Snake bitten to good ratio? Like I'm sure there have been time where they've been injured a ton and just terrible anyway. But as far as being a potentially pretty good team, I think they because everybody's healthy, they probably can still win. They would have won the AL Central. Like if Lindor was here from the beginning, if man, who else was out at the beginning? Was it, was it Jose Ramirez was out? Kipnis was out, I believe. Like if all these guys Ramirez were healthy the whole season, out. So you know, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he just was terrible. <laughs> he was terrible. But if he was, if he wasn't in a slump for half the season, I feel like this is still a team that would have won by quite a bit. 
So that's it's just the injuries and shit luck that's dragging him down more than anything. And I mean, I wouldn't say quite a bit, just because again we're dealing with a Twins team that is hitting one hundred and fifty thousand home runs apparently. But but still, you're right. Uh, if if all the pitchers were healthy and, and right, that yes, we we'd have Shane Bieber as the fifth best pitcher. So it would be the best pitching staff in baseball running away from it all. And even with that, it's still you know pretty incredible in many different marks so yeah i mean i'm i'm not too terrible at the the idea of going with bieber clevenger and savali if they have to and then carrasco like like my dream is to have savali as the starter but if like a really short lease and then carrasco can just come in whenever he needs to my, if he can to, pitch several he's innings. gonna throw eight innings eight shutout innings we're talking about aaron <laughs> savali here <laughs> he does he's the best pitcher that's ever lived so uh, i'm not too worried no he's he's, he's pretty all right no it's it, it sucks about naquin though it's just it I would I would almost say that Jordan Lupo injury is just as damaging to the Indians' hopes and dreams as the as the Naquin, if only because they're they're both platoony players who serve a role but aren't you know just good role players, but you know when they're not in the position that they're that they should be placed in, then they're kind of useless, I suppose. I also yeah. like Jordan Lupo more. So <laughs> I do like Lupo. I'm glad he's back. He's, it's yes, I would like to true. have another. He's just basically Brandon Geyer, but could be better he's but more 25 so. years old yeah exactly right, yeah. and and there's there's hope that he'll learn how to hit you know opposite handed pitching so or same where does that hope come from i don't think we ever talked about that but everybody always talks about like just let him play against both like he doesn't have a history of not being a platoon guy right it's just he doesn't what really he have is. much of a history is i think is what it really is you know he's i guess he's yeah. a, he's a com- total of 133 major league games he's always kind of hello charlie he's always kind of hit in the in the minors and he was a top rated prospect for a while there so i think and the fact that, again he is 25 years old so and that is how we always feel about prospects <laughs> this is the rule as long as they're young that's fine they're gonna be great yeah they'll figure it out i mean yeah. mike trout figured out how to not hit fat, high fastballs everybody can do it. it's not that hard just don't swing at the high yeah. ones just don't swing <laughs> at the high ones Come that's on, what i'm everyone. saying it's i could be simple. a scout golly and i think gee. if if Luplo can even be just that platoon bat, I feel like I'm happy with that trade. Oh, Eric Gonzalez oh, was down. fun, but yeah, it's not no, that hard to beat it. If, if he can be a, a Brandon Geyer slash, um, oh, what was his name from 2016? Ryan Rayburn, but for the next like five or six years and just murder uh, left-handed pitching. Yeah, man, that's fine. That's a, that is a vital piece who will be a folk hero type of guy. You know, it's just like a, 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 a niche beloved guy for the Indians for a long time. Like all of us will be huge Jordan Luplo heads. Loop heads, I guess would be a fun <laughs> Loop one. heads. We already Naquin heads, but now he's dead, so it's Luplo heads. Loop heads, like you said. Could we? That's no, not a good one. I was going to have, think, try to think of other names, but I couldn't think of any. Anyway, Luplo maniacs. We can't have more. It's just Naquin heads. You can't have other heads. That's Luplaniacs. That's, that's pretty good. Luplaniacs. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, so yeah, we're going to go from. A terrible story of Tyler Naquin's leg blowing apart to a more happy. I, I guess it, it's happy, sort of. Is Carlos Carrasco coming back? I mean, the fact that he's no, Matt, it's back sad is happy. and depressing, you butthead. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we have to celebrate this is sad because it was all he's been through. But it was such a great moment when he came back. Um, he was on the mound. He got a standing ovation in Tampa Bay. And then it looked by the looks of it that he was he was crying about the tear up on the mound. So Lindor came up and gave him a hug and just tried to get oh. him to, to calm back down and. That was a moment where if you're watching and you didn't cry at least a little bit, I'm not sure what you're doing existing without emotions. But how big is is Carrasco coming back to the Indians now that he's been gone since June? He could be in the playoffs. He could be their Andrew Miller. He could be the – I'd assume he could go a couple innings if he really needs to. But I'm just I'm really excited to see how 
Terry Francona uses him, not so much in the regular season. I, I'd assume that's mostly getting him just back and ready for the playoffs if they make it. But I want to see especially how they use him when it really matters in October, when there's if if God forbid we're in a wild card game, um, even if even in a short ALDS series, like where they use him. And also part of me is worried that he won't be used that much and we'll just see Adam Simber and Nick Goody be driven into the ground and Nick Whitgren won't be used either. And I don't know what Tito does half the time, but Carlos Carrasco being back on its own, it's exciting. It sucks that it had to happen and that we have to celebrate that he's back now from such a terrible injury or not even injury, a terrible just thing of having leukemia and he's already back from it. That alone is pretty incredible. So I don't know. Did you, did you watch it or did you, are you excited for him to be back? I'm sure. And and what do you think of him well, going forward on the Indians? So you mentioned, obviously, the will we even see him pitch at all. And I think we've had the same conversation about one injured pitcher or another the last three years, I feel like, about will he come back for the playoffs and be a fireman? It'll be cool, huh? Right? Just like uh, Tim Lincecum was in 20-whatever. Now, Every year two, that was Danny Salazar, though. That's the well, difference. Well, no, actually, two years ago, it, I think I think Carrasco was that person once. I don't remember when. I just I feel like that's true. Remember because he broke – I don't know. Anyway. That uh, was before, like, the string of – goodness though there was a time when he was out and we thought he could be a reliever when he came back right that's what is that what you're thinking maybe yeah but anyway to your point uh this is the first time that we've had a quote-unquote guy of terry francona's be in this potential position like i'm sure he likes you know uh clipper or simber or whitgrain or whatever but i mean he's been you know i mean he's him and, and carrasco have been working together for a long time now and they like each other from from by all accounts and they're you know and Carrasco is also just a you know backbone player of the team, so that alone I think is the reason that he could actually have some sort of uh, outsized role as as like a reliever uh, when when things get kind of big. That plus you know obviously we've been seeing some some issues with the the kind of big four or five relief guys uh, over the last couple of weeks. It seems like with fatigue, particularly with hand, with lost his fastball and he was just pitching like shit. Uh, Whitgren's kind of taking a step back, you know whatever, but. If nothing else, it, it it brings some you know it's it's like calling up a guy on the forty man, but also it's a it's a guy who when he's at his best, he's a one of the five or ten best pitchers in baseball. Yeah, I'm curious and excited to see what kind of pitcher if they continue to use him in a one or multiple inning thing, what kind of pitcher he becomes. Because I've said it before, I've written about it countless times. the The value of Car- Carlos Carrasco comes in his pitch mix as much as in uh, the like the, the the sheer value of any one of his pitches, he has all these amazing pitches. His cur- you know, his curveball is on par with that of like uh, Aaron Sanchez, uh, uh, who's now in the Astros and is supposed to turn into a you know, like in terms of spin rate and stuff like that. And his fastball is great. He, if you look at in terms of strikeout or whiff rates for pitches, he's top twenty five with three or four different pitches. And you know, I think that's a combination of they're all great pitches, but also they're all great. You know, they, they all work together well. So I, I'm I'm excited just to see. Purely how like how he uses himself, you know what I mean? When he came on on uh, Sunday, he threw all two seamers. That, that was it, which is cool. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, we can't judge a whole lot from that one. No, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> so it's much nothing. No, one, no, yeah. it's 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 less than a data point. It's 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 noise more than anything else. Uh, so that, that that's why I think it's interesting. And if he get, does get used in more of like a you know he comes in the fifth and pitches through the seventh, how will he work it? Will he work it like, as though he's a starter? He's been pitching like a reliever since what twenty. 15 or whatever you know I, uh, when he came back from the from whatever and you know came back from the pen and became a starter again he's been pitching out of the stretch ever since so it's definitely something he'd be comfortable with and something that i think will work 
better than any of our weird pipe dreams of Danny Salazar or whoever. <laughs> Those are dead. Those are very, very dead. Never. He's still out there. <laughs> never, and, never give up on Danny Salazar. <laughs> and uh, Carrasco also has that uptick in velocity too. He was at 95, 96 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And oh, I believe he reached part. 97 in AAA. We're going to see that. Yeah. And, and if you'll, if you'll remember back to when he was a relief pitcher uh, for that, you know, that brief half a season, what was that? 20, uh, 14, I guess it was. I mean, he was he was throwing like 97, 98 because it's 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 there in the arm to do it. It's just when you're don't when you're going 30 starts a, a season, you don't need to do that quite so much. It's God, he was so goddamn good. He throw 134 innings and you know 12 of them. You know, how many? How many in 40 appearances? Only 14 starts and just, I especially yeah. like the idea of that. This is. Francona's guy is one of these guys, I think. Right. I think Simber has turned into one of those, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> he seems to be one that Francona leans on in high leverage well, situations. But I, I love the idea of Carrasco too. being there. I, th- I think the the weird factor of Simber probably affected. But the but yeah, we're, we're talking about like you know things like his arm is weird. That'll throw him off, and then it never does. Oh, and it does, <laughs> man. I mean, he, he's got the lowest release. Like he, 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 the, the ball is released below where it hits the strike zone routinely. Which is confusing to say the least. It doesn't seem to matter a whole lot, though. Well, it. Do- I mean, again, look at those splits against righties. He is an absolute murderer against right-handed hitting. So that's why I he guess, still yeah. does have value. That's why I wrote about it what last year because I was like, oh, he's going to kill all these the MVP candidate hitters out there. Your Mike's Trout and your Aaron's Judge and your Mookie's Betts. But then he didn't. He didn't instead do that. <laughs> Turns out, no. <laughs> Turns out he can't always beat Mike Trout or future Roberto Perez. Just not every time, just once well, in a while. I mean, no one can beat future Roberto Perez. The man's a god. <laughs> but, uh, but back to uh, Carrasco. No, it's it, if nothing else, it's exciting and fun. We're all. I'm, I'm very happy he's back because he's always been a favorite of mine. Uh, just oh, you can't not love Carrasco. Yeah. He, he, well, and if, if only for on field stuff. Like I, I know he, like he more so it seems, and really any te- any player I've seen in. Probably since honestly, Victor Martinez uh, truly has embraced the city and the team and everything, and, and and feels truly at home. And like I think, you know, just like with Martinez, if he got traded, he'd probably just cry his eyes out. He he really seems happy happy in Cleveland, and that's you know that's a rarity. I know we were joking about about it for the podcast. No one will ever know what we were saying. Ha <laughs> ha. But <laughs> and no, it definitely it feels genuine too. Like is yeah. is more than Trevor Bauer never bought at all. I think his was all. I've always thought that he did all this charity stuff for like a shield, like he can he yeah. can say and do what he wants and say, no, look, I'm a good person. I do all these charities and I feel like he's gonna do that wherever he goes. I don't think he, well, good he cared about that Cleveland specifically that much. Um, and even like, it's not the same thing as Trevor Bauer in any way, but like Lindor, I feel like he's going to embrace any city he's in and he's going to treat it as his city. He knows he's the, the big baseball guy there. He's, he's done it really well for Cleveland as a great ambassador, but I don't know if he, like for Carrasco, it seems like it's special to him, and like it's Cleveland specifically. If he goes somewhere else, like he'll still like Carlos Carrasco is another one, or Carlos Santana is another one too. Where it's, it's Cleveland specifically, it's not just embracing the city that he's currently in. Like I feel like if Lindor goes somewhere else, he's going to be a great ambassador for there too, and good for him and good for the city. I'm not like bemoaning him for that at all, but I just feel like there's certain players that attach to a certain city, and Carrasco and Santana are two of them that attach to Cleveland really well, and that's why everybody's embraced him so much. And that's great, but also too, it's just the on-field stuff. I've I've always liked watching him pitch. Um, and always, I take that back. There were, but he's he's had probably the most interesting, even more so than a, than I say Trevor Bauer, who was you know the 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 young phenom 
struggling, struggling, building himself, always in the media. You'll, he he helped us to learn, I think, a lot more about pitching than we ever had any right to know or probably care enough to know, honestly. But um, Carrasco, just the, the arc from, you know, other guy in the Cliff Lee deal to total head case to injury to um, fighting his way back to, I don't know, just turning into an absolute stud. He's been truly wonderful and somehow always overlooked, if only because of who else is on the team. But, you know, you look at his just over the last, I don't know, whatever, from 2015 to 2018, he had 340 ERA, 180 innings in per season. It's just always great. Always a great player, always a great pitcher, and always a great person, too. And so to see him able to come back like this, it's neat. And, and knowing he'll be on the Indians for quite some time, too, is also um, so looking ahead, it's, we'll wrap up this relatively short episode with looking at, um, I mean, I guess, does it, I said at the intro, I don't know, am I right or wrong that really this is the only series? I, I think you've disagreed with me in the past, but always like if they'd have to sweep the series at this point now to make it really matter. But I mean, if, if you blow these, these six games in, what is it? Nine days to play against the twins. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it for the division. If they get, if they lose more than half, maybe if they get swept. <laughs> one or the other it's really bad but yeah i thought it was really good that they they lined up bieber and clevenger they're going to pitch four of the six games so if the unions are doing what they can to set themselves up to be well and then play also the angels in between which hopefully they could just run over but i don't know if it'll actually happen that way um it, it kind of sucks that the indians are going to fly they play in minnesota they go to the west coast play some stupidly late games on the west coast and then go to cleveland so i don't know if that's going to hamper them at all for the last yeah, part the of the series off, so that's probably not a big deal but yeah. yeah i would think it's it's it sucks for me man i'm thinking about me here sure this is sure. <laughs> who cares about these players and they're sacrificing everything for me to watch on my couch i gotta stay up slightly later than usual i know you feel it's man terrible <laughs> the, Ra- the raiders play at 10 20 <laughs> on monday night it's terrible <laughs> i feel so bad for you man oh. you have to watch the raiders that's Lord the worst mercy. part of it <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. So, what do you think of? Uh, do the Indians have a shot here, or are we just going to well, yeah. wait for them? I mean, to slowly obviously, die? the last time they played them, they took two of three, right? They, they, I don't know. They, they need to win because if they win five of six, they're still two back. I think right at three back, something like that. Oh, that's just depressing. That they could win five of six and still be several back. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just it's just because stupid baseball math is dumb. <laughs> uh, if they, yeah, I think that's how it works out. But anyway. Yeah, they, no, they just need the Twins to stop being so good, like for a, a couple well, weeks. Well, that's the thing. Like the the the, the positive to all this is that they they have the tools to at least quiet the the, the Twins. Uh, between obviously uh, Clevenger and Bieber, we have two Cy Young candidates. Not you know obviously they're not going to come in thir- first or second, um, but still they I, I I think both will get top, a decent amount of top five votes at the very least, and then the third being. Um, I don't mean to toot the Aaron Savali horn too much, but I, I almost feel like he's purpose built to beat this team, if only because they want to hit fly balls and he wants to let them hit fly balls, but he doesn't let them barrel it up. Is that a dangerous dance? Oh, Matt, the most dangerous there is. But it's <laughs> uh, it's at the same time, it, it, as long as he executes his pitches, you know, then it's it's the right mix of pitches. I mean, they're, they're all these guys who love to hit the ball down. Who love to hit sinker balls and fat and you know and like sliders down or whatnot, and he doesn't throw that. He throws high spin fastballs up in the zone, um, making you want to hit it, and then you hit it bad. And it's a it, it's it, it'll it could work in their favor. I don't know. It's but like you said, and we've been talking about this for 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 a month or so. This is the entire season, which I don't think it. I don't think putting all the the eggs in this basket 
is the right way to go. It's it's not like it's easy the rest of the besides these six games. The Angels aren't terrible. Um, Mike Trout will always have something to say. The Tigers are terrible. The White Sox are bad. <laughs> they have nothing to say. But the I mean, you know, the the Phillies and Nationals both have aims to make the playoffs, and they need to win those games just as much as the Indians need to win those games. Uh, that could be a great series at the end of the season. Like you could, I know. you live yeah. near the Nationals. I'm assuming you're going to at least one of those, right? I go two of those. Yeah, hell yeah. Are you? You're going to be um, uh, wearing your Indians uniform? Yeah, probably... I can't go to one of them. Fuck. Oh well, I've got two. Of them. <laughs> there you go. But uh, uh, yeah, I will wear Indians gear. I will wear... <laughs> of course, everyone go. Hey, whatever. Who cares? If I go, hey, all right. It's the Nationals. Nobody really cares there. <laughs> no, no, they're just all. there because they got tickets from some working thing and. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're all just um, yeah t- tickets donated by some pack or a lobbyist. It's great, great fans yeah, can, down there. And <laughs> you can scout future Indian Anthony Rendon, though. Ooh, that's true, and and future Indian Juan Soto. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> totally, they're gonna get him. Absolutely, it's a quick trade. The learners are stupid and bad at what they do. So <laughs> that's gonna be uh, some motivation there. But I, the, the Nationals clearly listen to this podcast, and they're gonna print out your quote and stick it on their locker. The uh, leave us a bad review on Apple Podcasts. The people who made the uh, uh, what do you call a schedule? By which I mean that stupid computer really accidentally <laughs> stumbled into a few great ones here, though. But with the Twins being both uh, both weekend series, yeah, uh, it really and also being so huge and everything like that, it's a, a, a happy little accident, I suppose. <laughs> they stuff the division games at the end now, right? That's a purpose. They do. No, yeah, they, they definitely yeah, okay. I, yeah. they they pile up division games. I think at the at either end of the of the season, right. But I, I, yeah, I finishing like with the Nationals the, is good. I don't like that being in the first half of the season. I, I think it, it, it ends up creating too much stratification, I guess. But then, of course, you get fun races and things like that. So, but uh, and that's one of the things. I, I'm. I don't know if we talked about this before, but like people always say, you should just have an even schedule and don't do divisions. Just have I love divisions, a conference honestly. and you get this many. Yes, it's 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 made up drama, but who cares? That's every sport is just made up drama. They're hitting a ball with a stick, <laughs> like. It adds these fake races because otherwise, what would the Indians be right now? It would not be nearly as fun as trying to taste, chase down these goddamn twins if they were just they just, just going be for fifth, whatever. And that's it. Yeah, It'd exactly. Just be a wild no, card. yeah, they'd just be yeah, they'd just be a wild card team that wouldn't be yeah, exactly. There wouldn't be any anything going on here at all. It would just be whatever. right. There's no rivalry. They'd, they'd be chasing the the Rays or the A's. That's, yeah, ooh, uh, like, <laughs> they'd be much more vague and occasional. Like that's the thing. It, it forges a harder rivalry than you ever end up with in the NBA. Like the NBA is much more transient rivalries. Uh, like you know, outside of Lakers Celtics, you have like ones that kind of happen. Like we had, I never really felt like Cavs Warriors was a rivalry. They just played each other every June. Like is that a rivalry? I guess I don't know. It was more of a LeBron James sort of a thing. But yeah, I didn't. That never felt like much. To, it, it's weird because they played four NBA championships in a row. It never felt like anything to me. No, I mean I don't know. Been, Getting your ass whooped, I guess, but you know, <laughs> that, that hey. feels like something. All right, <laughs> I'm not a huge Cavs fan. Okay, no, I know. <laughs> but. It's it's more exciting this way. I think it's fun. I mean, it, it's either this or you get you end up getting the. I'm watching a lot of soccer lately, and I I kind of enjoy the way they do it too. The they do the exact you know it's it's there's only one league and it's up or down. You either win it or you don't. Don't they do exciting. a bunch of crazy shit too? Like, weren't you gonna? Did you write about that, or were you going I've to? Ta- about I've talked how the, about it all the goddamn time. Yeah, and I still how baseball should implement it. Yeah, yeah, an FA Cup kind of a thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> just I mean, swap shit around in the middle it, of the season. Uh, American soccer does it too. I didn't. I didn't resonate relatively recently. But they they do have the U.S. Open, which is every single soccer team from four different levels oh, plays cool. in it, and it's super neat. I think it's a really rad thing, you know. But 
I just want to see the Yankees like crush some low A team. Yeah, just just, <laughs> just shitting on the, yeah, just going down to Montgomery and dumping <laughs> on the biscuits. Yeah, <laughs> take a big old dump on the biscuits. <laughs> Beat up their own single A team. Just uh, who is the biscuits? That's Staten the, Island Yankees. Sorry, they, they just head over to Staten Island and just wail on them for a little while. And go home. <laughs> <laughs> they barely have to stop. Their buses are still parked outside. They, 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 they literally just, they, they, they just call up their entire AAA to send them down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wow. Anyway, yeah, big, I guess se- we... big series coming up. It's fun. I'm talking about the one yeah. against the White Sox, of course. Of course, obviously. it's well, Game one will be done by the time this post, but we'll see if... I mean, if they flub that, then who cares about the Twins? You're you're yep. going for the wild yeah. card at that point. Yeah, go and get swept by the White Sox. I, Whoops, <laughs> well, that's it then. Right. <laughs> Have a great I've year. I've had a, a moral objection to to rooting for the wild card because, I mean, it's always a fallback. But, I mean, I'm getting to the point where, all right, let's 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 get the wild card. Oh, no, and, and we'll definitely have a clear picture of that um, on, you know, the morning of September I want to root 9th. for a one We'll know game. where we are, yeah. yeah. And on the same note of liking divisions, I like the wild card. I like that it incentivizes you to win your division, but it also doesn't, keep more people out of the playoffs i think yeah. it's a perfect compromise the, the, the way and i also don't want to play it, in it is, yeah <laughs> the, the way they redid it is definitely way better the um right. having the two of them and you having to play a game because it could really fuck up a whole season just by accident which right I think is it, delightful just the fact that it makes you want to win your division without taking away playoff spots i thought was brilliant it adds more playoff spots it makes it so good lord you better win or you're going to be in a, a roll of dice over your whole entire season um it all comes down to this one game and the Indians are going to play in it. God damn it. I hate it. But I also like well, it. And, and, and we have to remember, too, you know, that, I mean, the, the Twins have to win games, too. So I, I, I know that they're they very have, good and they hit a billion bombs. A and, and they keep on winning games, yes. Uh, but they have to play, what, they got Red Sox, the Nationals come to town, White Sox, Royals, Chuck. God damn it. Oh, <laughs> never mind. So they have the AL Central to play. Yeah. They're, they're they, going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay. They, they have the AL Central, the Red Sox, and the Nationals, basically. So. So the, the Hale Central, one team who's probably not very good, and also the Nationals. It's fine. So anyway, that wild card game. I hate you, computer who designed this stupid schedule. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> All right, Merritt. That's going to do it uh, for this week, which is definitely recorded on a Sunday. We're not recording on Labor Day because that might violate something. Mm-hmm. At least ethically, but we're definitely recording on a Sunday. But yeah. anyway, we will. If you're listening now, leave us a nice review on iTunes. Spotify. I don't think Spotify does reviews, but whatever. Let your friends know you listen to it. Let us know you're listening to it. Um, it's always been neat. And uh, talk to you next week. Bye. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor in chief of The Verge and host of Decoder business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. 
Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.